2: In sunny Wilmington at sunny our state Wilmington.
1: meeting. Yeah, at the NCNA meeting. It's been a great meeting and uh, we're wrapping up a couple of days of podcasting and meeting interesting folks. And we've got another guest with us today, Mr. Peter Streeby. Welcome. Welcome. Thank oh, yeah. you. Yeah, We're glad to have you here today. And we're going to be talking about dogma today.
3: Yeah, dogma
1: yeah. traditions and anesthesia practice. Wow,
3: that sounds pretty cool. Why wow. don't you tell us a little bit about you? Uh, well, I'm from Wisconsin. We had snow the other day, so that that's wonderful. Fine. Weird <laughs> October. It was actually our two, uh, second snowfall in uh, about a week. We actually had some earlier in October as well. Wow. So, no way. Uh, is that uh,
2: common, that early?
3: Uh, well, I remember it as a kid, but not in the last decade or 15 years. It wow. was Wow pretty crazy even it's the crazy dogs Google were like no nah, we don't want to go out. Just, yeah, yeah, we're not going out you know my
2: my daughter and my son-in-law live in wisconsin oh, where are they at? hudson they're just right oh, over they're the way river. up
3: north yeah yeah they're yeah. just
2: right over the river okay yeah um,
3: about four hours from them four and a half yeah
2: you know my son-in-law is a is a crna too oh we're at in Hudson? In Hudson.
3: That's a nice little town though. That's oh my god. That's beautiful country up there.
2: Oh, it's lovely.
1: Oh god. It's that's too cold country. up there for me. Though. Yeah.
2: So, I learned what I learned what glitter snow was. Oh yeah. I had never heard of that. Have I you, you ever heard, heard, heard of it? Glitter snow? Well, it snows and the sun's out and it does look like glitter is falling really? from the sky yeah. and they call it glitter snow. It's beautiful. It's huh. stunning.
1: Interesting.
3: I learn something new every day. That first snowfall of the winter and that silence that's
1: outside. It's oh, yeah. beautiful.
2: Oh, my God. Oh, it's huh. gorgeous. Well, Glitter snow. Cool.
1: Huh. I like snow for about a day. Yeah, well, then I'm good. And yeah, you're done. You know, we I'm have the perfect it. snows down south. It yes, do. snows
2: for a day and then it's gone tomorrow.
1: <laughs> the Schools are closed for a week and there's no bread and milk. You know, I mean yeah. that's just the way it works around here. That
2: so. is the way it works around here. So, Peter,
1: why is this topic important? You know what what makes this so important, and why are you so interested in it? Well, I love it because you know there's so much that we do that we do. You know, a lot of people
3: do things just because. That's the way I've always done it, or that's the way I was trained. Yeah, and it, you know, it may work, and it may have gotten them to where they're they are. But you know, a lot of times in in healthcare, it takes one case to ruin a career. Mm. Right. So if you don't have the evidence behind you, or the you know something to back you up on what you make for decisions, you could literally lose a career and a lifetime of work by not having the evidence or the support. And sometimes, what we do isn't necessarily backed up by what the current evidence is to support that at the time it was a right decision because of what worked but now that we know better we have better information or technology or evidence we can do those things
2: he did his lecture on this this morning and it was a fabulous lecture and i've heard it more than once and you know you only retain so much anyway and every time i pick up another pearl from you i don't know if you know this jeremy he travels all over the country and speaks and and they're really really different and timely topics
1: I did not
3: know. Now that. you'll be
2: lecturing tomorrow.
3: Yeah, correct on uh, genetics and anesthesia. Oh my practice. God, I've
2: heard this one. This one uh, is so good, but I, I'll show back up to hear it again.
3: And then the you know my new uh, well, I think I'll found a society in it, but it's forensics and anesthesia. Hmm. Right now, there's only one member; it's me. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I find it fascinating and how we can. You know, we've always talked about safety issues, uh-huh. but we've never actually looked at it and how the problem could have occurred. Three, six months ago, you just happened to walk into the OR at the oh. wrong time. Mm. So more of that law and order type of appearance, trying to break things down and from a forensics point of view. Ooh. Actually, I had cool. a case last uh, week. After we get uh, through,
2: I want to talk to you about that case and let you do your forensic stuff on it. But, you know, other states can get Peter to come and speak to them. Very dynamic speaker. And, well, thank you. Yeah, and yeah. he's such a nerd. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I
3: embrace my inner nerd. I love I love being a nerd.
2: See, I am a seasoned uh, female, and I understand it. Whenever I was young, I didn't understand that nerds are the best. You know. Yeah. Oh, um, but me, uh, you know, as I get older. As you get seasoned, yeah, yeah. then yeah. then you realize nerds are really cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. we're stable. We go to work. <laughs>
3: there you go. That's yeah. right.
1: We pay our taxes. It's, it's all know, good stuff. You know, nerds. I've been watching that Bill Gates thing on Netflix. Oh, you told that me about is, that. Have you seen it? No, dude, you need to check. It, it is really good. Really good. I'll just throw it out there. Okay. Everybody, listen, watch that Netflix. Bill I'm Gates, five watch or six it. part series. Very interesting. Huh. Very, I'm gonna very very watch that.
2: that. So what's the oddest? Dogma that you talk about. We don't want to give away your whole lecture because everybody is going to want to sit for a whole hour. But what's the oddest dogma?
3: Oh, boy, you know, of all the different dogmas that are out there, you know, I think sometimes the simplest ones are the ones that really break our practice. For example, succinylcholine and why we always put it in the refrigerator.
2: And I still do. <laughs>
3: yeah, based on, you know, something that was years ago. And, and I get that. And uh, But the kinetics, you know, it's stable for five months. The other thing that I find fascinating is, uh, you know, our traditions, for example, with the oxygen percentage at the end of the Mm -hmm. case and going to a hundred percent because we've always just turned the dial. Mm -hmm. We've always gone to a hundred because, you know, years ago when they would extubate a patient, they wouldn't have much reserve time. And I found it was odd when I was doing research, how many papers are actually out there on that hundred percent actually causes atelectasis that can last up to four days. That's not returnable by a good recruitment maneuver. So, and that's in healthy patients. So if we can just run 80%, Mm -hmm. Uh, we still have advanced airway tools. And I thought that was a pretty odd one just because that's probably the hardest one for people to break.
2: So talk about that. How hard is it to break?
3: Oh, because, you know, they're so used to 100%. I always got to do 100%. Mm-hmm. I want that extra safety margin, that extra number. And then when you ask them, well, you know, what's the, the benefit of that? They're like, well, I, I I don't know. I said, well, tell me this. When you get over 80%, what's the problem? And they all say atelectasis. They know how it collapses the alveoli. I said, well, now you're running it for five ten minutes you really have done some pulmonary issues just run them in at 80 percent and try it and then for them to break that culture it's fascinating to watch but even the students they always right they keep looking over they keep looking over
2: (laughs) and even extubate them at 80 percent yeah
3: even extubate 80 percent yeah wow do phenomenal and that's the but that's the one that's really the hardest for people to change
2: well crna's don't like change
3: no not at all Nobody, Nobody does likes Nobody change. change no yeah. true but
2: crna's are very regimented people and that's well, what yeah. makes us really good at our job it's
3: the same routine every time absolutely you, the you never pattern. miss anything the engineer the same yeah. muscle I know. muscle you memory say that all the time
2: you say that all the time
3: uh, i do love at the end of the lecture when i say the age of the direct visual laryngoscopy is dying Right. In everybody's eyes, you can tell. It's almost like this visceral feeling that comes up, like they want to attack you. know, Some people want to attack you, and some people are like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I, I knew that. And right. You could definitely tell the two sides of the room almost instantaneously when you, when oh, you mentioned that. Oh, yeah.
2: Do you think it's age-specific oh, <laughs> or kind of along those uh, lines? Not years, always. Years
3: of practice-specific. Years of practice. Yeah. Yeah. The younger ones are more apt to do that because that's what they've been learning. That's what they've been doing. You know, we have so many of the optical airway devices everywhere now. Mm -hmm. They've become much more feasible in cost and easy to use. And um, we have those, but uh, having the blades around is kind of dying out. And I remember a time when we used to have the old uh, Miller 2s with the light bulb on the opposite side that it is now. So I remember all those sorts of pieces and some of those dominoes. And and things really have changed for that. But it is fun to see everybody's eyes kind of light up on that regard.
1: (laughs) Hi everyone, this is Jeremy. You've heard the promos about Our Hearts, Your Hands founded by Sharon's good friend Jackie Rolls. It is a charitable organization that supports global nurse anesthetists from low and middle income countries by providing educational scholarships and grant money for books and equipment. Sharon and I are committed to supporting this organization. They're currently seeking donations to send African nurse anesthetists to the first Pan-African nurse anesthetist conference in Kenya June 11th through the 13th a thousand dollars will cover registration travel and food for one delegate you can make a difference in the access to safe anesthesia care in Africa support your colleagues through your tax deduction donation any amount will be appreciated see the link in our show notes to donate Peter what's your favorite current dogma trend uh, my
3: favorite current dogma trend is kind of the change in uh, fluid resuscitation.
2: Mm, there's so, been a lot of talk about that. Yeah,
3: we were given lots of fluids, and then we saw the they had pa- a group of papers that came out in the title it said restrictive. Mm-hmm. So people thought that restrictive meant zero when it didn't mean mm-hmm. goal-directed. Mm. And I, I love to talk about, like, in the beginning of the lecture, how if you give them just one bag of normal saline, which is 0.9%, mm-hmm. you've given them 27 bags of Lay's potato chips if you let it run in. Oh, wow.
2: 27 bags of wow. Lay's
3: potato chips. Cause
2: one it, later.
3: Yeah, because it's, you know, 2,400 milligrams in a day is recommended. And you know I love salt, so I drink, you know, I eat about forty-five hundred milligrams. And normal saline is nine thousand milligrams. Wow! Yeah. So you've given them a ton of <laughs> that's ton nuts. of chips. Hopefully they like chips. Mm. You uh, didn't even get the dip with the chips. That's yeah. Terrible. <laughs>
2: so LRs better? Uh, well,
3: minimizing, giving them the right fluids. Right. Co- I'm a big fan of colloids in the beginning. Right. Yeah, when they're on that responsive portion of the curve, giving them fluids up front, colloids. But LR has its own problems as yes. well. So, like we talked about today, with the panic attacks you can
2: have. That lots was of amazing. That tail. Why don't we Jerita. elaborate on that? Yeah. yeah.
3: So uh, with LR, now these are only case reports, so they're pretty low on the evidence uh, rung. But the, you know, there was lots of case reports in OB where they were using giving too much LR, and the patients were having panic attacks. Huh. And wow. it's still on the, an FDA warning on the label. But you know, nobody will ever know that it was the lactated ringers. Right, right. Right. But you know, you know. Right. Now we know. Could we just switch to a different fluid? Could mm-hmm. we hep lock the IV? It's just thinking differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
2: didn't a lot of our fluid resuscitation thoughts, new thoughts, come from the military? I know yeah. you're military. Yeah.
3: Trying to have a better goal directed therapy, getting right. them in that right spot. Not too much where they actually have recreate problems, and not enough where we actually cause problems. So trying to find that narrow sweet spot. And a couple of the tools I gave today were kind of freebies that you could do every day that you already do a part of your practice. Mm-hmm. You just don't realize that you're doing it.
2: Right. What was it I heard one time? The only winner in war is health care.
3: Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the only advancements. Yeah. Because we always, in trauma, we always practice what we learned in Vietnam until the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan came along. And then we... Finally, changed our practice for what the wars were in Iraq and Afghanistan were about.
2: Now, what branch did you serve in?
3: Uh, Army. Army.
2: Well, thank you for your service. Oh, and absolutely. I know you did a lot of tours over. Uh,
3: I've been mobilized and deployed four times, but I hit 20 years just uh, last week. Well, two mm-hmm. weeks ago now. So uh-huh. I'm just waiting for my retirement paperwork. by the time there. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. And I've heard you do that little cough in your throat and you say that's because of the burn pits yeah
3: we lived uh downwind from the burn pits in iraq and afghanistan so it was kind of that pulmonary damage so i have a chronic little little cough trying to it's not too bad but sometimes or if i do lots of lectures in a day by the end of the day it's pretty pretty robust
2: right now and you've had to hopefully people have practiced the things that they have learned from you because you've just recently had some surgery yourself.
3: Yeah, I just had uh, I had caulacquini so I ended up having an emergency decompression and then I got a (coughs) back fusion with some rods and cages and
2: well, yeah. wow so you light up in the airport oh i do i do
3: <laughs> <laughs> very expensive lower back
2: <laughs> and you had uh, some uh, an interesting complication too didn't you
3: yeah they gave the retractor to the med student and he kind of tugged on the vena cava at the wrong spot and i lost mm. about six grams of hemoglobin nice Jeez. yeah i was all bruised from my Well, essentially, from my spine all the way up to my belly button. It was a big old bruise.
2: Okay, so we're going to send you uh, over (laughs) to war four or five times, and and you're going to survive that. Then we're going to kill you when we get you in the (laughs) operating
3: room. Perfect scenario. My best friend doing the anesthesia. I know I'm friends Uh. with the surgeons.
2: Well, that was all a setup.
3: You know, I picked the nurse who was in the room and the scrub tech. It was like perfect. (laughs) They gave the med student of all people the retractor.
2: Oh, my Lord. but Jeez. they were just absolutely horrified,
3: they were yeah and yeah, have to wow. come and
2: tell you that when you wake up,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, and then they stopped uh, they were running me on a ketamine infusion that they were supposed to run for twenty four hours, and somewhere between the pack you and the floor, it got turned off, so the next morning was a little on the uncomfortable, because they were assuming I was getting sure. pain meds all night, oh I was like, oh my God, the ketamine's Jeez. now worn off, I'm a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> did you Jeez. say it like that? <laughs> A few expletives involved.
1: <laughs> Peter, how did you get? What, what made you want to do this? I mean, talk about this stuff. Where did all this come from? Well, it, kind of this. So I was
3: I was born dirt poor. So my mom had always told me that education was a great American equalizer, and to get ahead in this country, it was all you had to have an education. And to my mom, it was never you know if you were going to go to college. It was which
2: one did you pick? Right. There you
3: go. So, you know, I started college. I actually started in uh, seminary school, switched over to nursing. They're wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Back up for just a minute. Yeah. Really?
3: Yeah. But they <laughs> had a kind of a, you know, disagreement with God, so to speak. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, switched over to nursing. I mean, they're very parallel tracks, Absolutely. Very yeah. parallel well, you know, tracks. the
2: only person more trusted than nurses has got to be God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah.
3: haven't looked back I, since. And I... Uh, was never going to go back to anesthesia school but I got kind of back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> bored
2: yeah as st- smart as you are I'm sure uh, you got bored here go ahead
3: and apply and I'm like oh okay I actually applied in pencil and interviewed in my I literally interviewed on my couch in the living room over the phone this was when phone interviews were brand new and uh-huh. uh, <laughs> the wars had just started I got a call to deploy and at the time then just kind of waited a little bit and put it off for a year and they said you'll always have a spot here and it was like almost destined to be and yeah yeah. Haven't looked back since. It's been phenomenal. Just wonderful. It's a wonderful profession. Wonderful
2: profession. 88%, actually now 89% of nurse anesthetists would choose the same career all over again. So let's get back to dogma. Do you actually implement the things that you learn about in your practice, and how does that go over sometimes? Yeah, well,
3: you know, a lot of what we do in our practice is based on the culture of the institution. True. True culture of the institution. So change is always hard. So when you're kind of the end of one implementing something, people always kind of look at you a little mm-hmm. weird, but that's where the thick skin, the constructive environment, having evidence to back up your, what you're doing or your intervention is the important piece. So you know uh, whether it's an ologist that you're working with, or it's a CRNA that's relieving you at the end of the day. Oh, why did you do this? And you, you have the evidence to support that. It's a lot easier than just saying no. I want to just change something. Mm-hmm. So that was the biggest benefit. So yeah, I do implement a lot of it. Some of it I just kind of roll with the institution.
1: Sure.
3: For example, nitrous oxide. I don't have. I personally don't have a problem with nitrous oxide. But one of the leading researchers in the country, Kurt Hogan, is uh, where I work at. And he hates it. So it's just easier to avoid it than yeah. it is to stir the pot on that sure. sort of thing. Yeah. Sure.
2: Yeah. Well, if you're developing a thick skin, it'll certainly help you because I understand you're going to run for the AANA board. <laughs> yeah. <Uh-oh>. yeah.
3: region <laughs> 3 director. So, yeah. yeah. Wish me luck. <laughs> I wish you luck. So um,
2: getting that thick skin ready for a uh, leadership position, that'll, that'll help a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling yeah, you. <laughs> yeah.
3: You're going to need it. Well, you know, I, I was on my uh, local school board, and boy, I can oh, tell you. Oh,
2: boy, you've already. <laughs> that's, oh, <we're> good. <laughs> that's contentious. <laughs> At
3: least in Iraq and Afghanistan, I could shoot back, but being on a school board <laughs> was just horrible. <laughs> Holy smokes. So what do you think the future holds for the changing dogma? Uh, well, it's generational. So a lot of the stuff is, once it's ingrained, hmm. you know, you can have one study or one piece get ingrained. And once it's ingrained, it takes you know 10 times that effort to get it back out of practice gotcha so it's really with the new generation and the way they learn is so much differently than i learn and they assimilate so much information better so something like this a podcast information sharing processes they assimilate it faster into their practice
2: well what the literature says it takes 17 years years. for something to to get down into general practice and Not to bring up another hot topic, but supposedly the modules that we're going to be required um, to do going forward. Part of the process is to put new information, new practice into those modules so that we can get some more seepage, I guess, out. (laughs) Because how else are you going to pick it up? Not everybody reads journals. Not everybody um, does all of those kinds of things.
1: It's a podcast. Yeah. Yes. You know, I mean, really, This in this Well, group, you're exactly I mean, right. What is it, 24 to 30? What was it,
2: 24? 23 to 34. 70% of our listeners are ages 23 to 34. Yeah. Oh,
3: that's yeah. awesome, though. That's mm. awesome. I mean, this is the way the new new generation learns.
2: Oh, well, we huh? had a lecture <clears> this morning by a millennial, mm-hmm. and he talked about how he listened to podcasts yep. every single free moment yeah. that he had. Yeah. Painting yeah. his garage, walking in from the parking lot to work. Mm-hmm. And, of course, ours made his list there, of things he great. listens yeah. to. Well, you
1: know, it's probably better than listening to the radio, you know. I mean, well, you, that's you, true. You know, kids don't listen to the radio anymore. My daughter's got the Apple iPlay or whatever CarPlay, you know, in her car. So mm-hmm. she listens to playlists. and you know, all oh, yeah. They They yeah. just don't do things the way we did. So well, we're adapting to that.
2: Well, mm-hmm. we didn't do things the way our parents did either. No, it's just dang, it's, it's just the way of the world. So what would you be if you couldn't? <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, yeah. laughs> She's going to let that work. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so what would you be if you couldn't be a CRNA? Uh, Outside of a preacher, clearly, but... Yeah, is actually,
3: I, 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 a history teacher. I'd have mm-hmm. been a history teacher. Mm, I can see that. Yeah, love that. Yeah. yeah, Fascinating to think about. Because the only way to learn for the future is to know where you came from.
2: Mm. And
3: otherwise you're doomed to, and, you know, to say the old adage, you're doomed right. to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. And I just, yeah, it's fascinating to you. And our country is such, has very robust history, but it's so short in the whole.
2: Right, and the big scheme big of things. Big scheme of things. Yeah. But yeah. to
3: think about the amount of changes. And I... Uh, my great great grandmother, she passed away uh, a while ago, but she was born before airplanes, and then she, uh-huh. you know, she lived long enough to see person step foot on the moon.
1: Mm. You know, to think about going from horse and
3: carriage, and literally, to, not uh,
2: again since then. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I just can't imagine what it's going to be like in twenty or thirty years with technology. And, oh, yeah. You know, oh I mean, well, gonna- IBM's Watson, I think, is uh, they're using it in healthcare
3: now, so I think mm. that will really change practice f- quickly. Uh, yeah, because it's assimilating all of that information, and it's able to help develop novel drugs, novel drug treatments, uh, wow. patient-specific. You know, thousands of research studies that would have taken a core of people to read for, yeah, months. Now,
1: within a few <coughs> hours, it has it all analyzed. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, is there anything you'd like to conclude on, Peter, as we kind of wrap this one up? No, I think
3: the big thing for us is just to remember, you know, we do have a very blessed profession. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Finding a way to give back to it is important. Mm-hmm. And whatever you do to give back, as long as you try to make things better, I think that's an important aspect. So Absolutely. Whether it's the PAC, whether it's the foundation, being part of your state meeting, find some ways to give back to each other yeah. is mm-hmm. a vital thing. Because we do have a very
1: blessed profession. It's been very awesome. Yeah, I agree. From the job satisfaction scores and the amount of money you guys make, and oh yeah, from every aspect, yeah, you know, I think it's we an amazing bl- profession.
3: Blessed enough that my, you <clears throat> know, we made, like you said, enough income. My wife could stay home when the kids were little, yeah. and
1: yeah,
2: nice. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. Well, I think you're right. Yeah, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and
2: Sharon Pierce. If
1: you like our show and want to know more, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review, only if it's positive. That's right. And make sure and hit that subscribe button. Until next time. It's a wrap. wrap. Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. Remember back in Episode 45 when my co-hosts, Sharon Pierce and Kimberly Gordon, talked about the candidate school for nurses that they're piloting at Yale, for May of 2020. The application process opened on January 1st. If you're a nurse or a nurse anesthetist and interested in running for elected office, or even if you're interested in managing another nurse's campaign, you will not wanna miss this opportunity. As the first candidate school for nurses in the country, you will want to be in the inaugural class. Just go to the Yale Nursing website and search candidate school for nurses and apply today.
0: Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice cRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit osaemr.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for cRNAs, data is destiny. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you'd like to listen to shows. Also be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA history series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at Podcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.